This is the podcast of Christian Life Center, an Assemblies of God Church in Springfield, Massachusetts. For more information, visit our website at clc413.com. If you would please open your Bibles with me to the book of Luke, chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would open our eyes to see the things that you would want us to learn today. And that it will be so much more than mere information that goes into our ears and is processed through our mind. But may it reach down to our heart and transform us today. Lord, I thank you for every single person that is present. Would you please feed us with your word this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter 2. There's so much that could have been written in the Bible. In fact, the truth is is that as the Apostle John said, that if everything were written down that Jesus did, the books would not be able to contain it all. So the purpose of the Bible is not simply to give us a historical record of everything that happened because there's a lot that was done that was not written down. But through the Holy Spirit, we were given what we need to know to be able to live lives that will honor God and so that we can be prepared to live in the presence of the Lord forever. When we see the Lord on that wonderful day when He comes for us or we go to Him first, either way, there are going to be many things that we are going to find out when we enter into His presence, things that you will learn for the first time. In fact, there are wonderful mysteries that God has even withheld from us. As much as we are able to dig into the Word of God and to find so many wonderful things, God has even more to reveal to us when we see Him face to face. But He's given us what we need while we live here. The Bible tells us in 2 Peter chapter 1 that God has given us all that we need to live godly lives. And I'm so thankful for that. We spoke before about Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, and we spoke about how he learned a lesson in silence. He was not allowed to speak because he did not believe the voice of the Lord. And the moment that, his, that God's promise came true for him was the moment that his mouth opened up to be able to speak. It was a lesson that he learned in silence. You may recall when we spoke about Zechariah and his wife, for that matter, that they were both people who feared the Lord. It says in chapter 1, verse 6, that Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. That's a very good assessment uh, for someone who is following the Lord. Would it be that all of us would be able to have that kind of a testimonial? Uh, and you see that even in living in a life that honored God, Zachariah still had lessons to learn, didn't he? And I believe that God is still teaching us lessons today. 
Well, here's another man that we're going to see who was living righteous before the Lord. And this is in verse 25 of chapter 2. And it says, at that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed something to him. Now, I want to pause there to say that Simeon was a man who feared God. He was anticipating the arrival of the Messiah. Now, the Messiah had been promised. The prophet prophesied about the arrival of the Messiah. But this had happened years and years in advance. And yet Simeon, who feared the Lord, he knew what the prophets had written. No doubt he had read what was going to happen, and he knew that somewhere down the road, this promise would be fulfilled. The truth is, is that you and I have some promises God has made to us that have not yet been fulfilled. And they don't come with a specific time. Some of them, we're not even sure exactly when it's going to happen. But God is unfolding step by step. And what God has promised will be fulfilled. In fact, one of them, as the disciples spoke with Jesus, one of these promises that God made... The disciples spoke with Jesus, and they were asking, when, is, uh, when are we going to be able to see the fulfillment of you turning this world upside down and you ruling and reigning? And if you recall the words of Jesus, he said this, it's not for you to know the times or that particular season. God did not communicate to us the day that Jesus is going to come back. In fact, Jesus said that not even he knew, only his father. That's interesting, isn't it? And so, we know that as the Word of God tells us that there is coming a day when God's church is going to be caught up to be with him in the air. Friends, we're going to be out of here. How quick is it going to be? Quicker than the blink of an eye. Not a lot of time for prep. You know what I mean? You're either ready or you're not. That's why it's such serious business. It's not like God gives the countdown. Five seconds now. Five. And people are scrambling. I'm going to get close to Jesus. I'm going to surrender my life to him. No, God doesn't do that. He gives you plenty of advance warning, and then, boom. Once it happens, no further time for preparation. See, sometimes we don't fully understand how God works. And we can tend to look at things like, oh, well, it's always going to be more time. There's always going to be another chance. 
But my friend, I do want you to know today, there will be a day when the last chance will have expired. When the clock will have run out. I thank God it hasn't yet. Oh, I thank God for that. Because I've got family members I'm still praying for. How about you? I'm thankful that the Lord hasn't returned yet. In, in one sense. You know what I'm saying? On the other hand, I'm looking forward to living forever with the Lord. Because I know what's up there is a lot better than what's down here. But yet the reason that God waits is because he loves people. That's what it says. The reason God is long-suffering is because he's willing that no one perish. That's the only reason why he's holding off for a bit of time. And I thank him for that. Because once it's over, it's over. Simeon was eagerly waiting. That's how it says it here in verse 25. Eagerly waiting for the Messiah. How eager are you for the Lord to return? How eager are you for the Lord to return? Simeon was very eager in his waiting, and he was waiting for the Lord, for the Messiah, to come and to rescue Israel. Now, the Holy Spirit was upon him, and he had revealed something to him. Now, listen to what the Holy Spirit revealed to him. The Holy Spirit told him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Notice that the time frame was his life. The Holy Spirit didn't say on this day at this time. He gave him the time frame. Within your life, you're not going to, you're not going to leave this earth without seeing the Messiah. Now, think about that for a moment. This was during a time where everybody, they knew the prophecy. They were waiting for the prophecy. Not everybody heard the same thing that Simeon did. This was not rolled out on the presses. Can you imagine what it would have been if everybody knew that information? All eyes would have been on Simeon. Well, he's still alive. So, the Messiah is going to be coming. How old are you now? Looking in the natural for something that can really only be discerned in the supernatural. You see, people in the world are looking through the natural eyes. They observe all the things that are going on around us, and they interpret them through very natural lenses. But friends, when you and I live in sync with the Holy Spirit, we see things from a whole new lens and perspective. Here you have Simeon walking around with a promise that was made to him that there were many people who would have loved to know that inside scoop. Why did Simeon get that information? Simeon received that information because he was ha having an open communication with the Lord on a regular basis, and God knew he could entrust that information to him. God had said, Simeon, you're not going to leave this earth until you are able to see the promise that I have made that my Messiah is coming. Now, 
Verse 27 says, that day, that day the Spirit led him to the temple. What, what was this day? This was a very special day because the requirement for all of the Jewish families was that if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. Do you remember Samuel? Remember Hannah? Hannah had no children. Peninnah had a bunch of them. And Hannah cried out to God, said, God, you give me a child, I'll give him right back to you. And that's exactly what Hannah did. Samuel was the firstborn boy. Mary. Mary was blessed with the Spirit of God placing Jesus within her womb. And her first child was this boy named Jesus. And so in accordance with the law, he was to be dedicated to the Lord. The scripture tells us that in verse 20, 21, this timing of this was very specific because after the baby was born, they would have to wait eight days. You'll see that in verse 21. They would have to wait eight days, and then after eight days, that child would be circumcised because the blood clotting factor needed to be able to have a certain period of time is my understanding, and so that they would wait for the right period of time, and then circumcision would take place. And the couple already knew the name, but the name-giving time was at the time when that child was circumcised. So there was an official process. And so even though the angel had said he is to be named Jesus, the angel had told Zachariah and Elizabeth, your boy is to be named John, yet there was still this process to where there would be this time when that name would be given. So verse 22 says, then it was time for their purification offering as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Now, notice here that as this child is presented to the Lord, uh, they are offering sacrifices required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, I just want to make a note here because this is important. There are those who believe that the mother of Jesus was completely without sin, just as Jesus was. However, we see in the Word of God that Mary needed redemption by the son she would bear just as much as you and I do. Mary needed salvation. That's a very important point. And we see that stand out here because Mary is bringing a sacrifice. She's bringing this either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons to sacrifice to the Lord. And then we see that at that time, that's where verse 25 comes in, at that time, there was a man in Jerusalem 
named Simeon. So this man named Simeon feared the Lord. This man was looking for the Messiah. And the scripture tells us that it was on that day that the Spirit led him to the temple. You see the timing of the Lord here? The Holy Spirit is coordinating all these details, and I just want you to know God is in the details of your life. God had already told Simeon, you're going to see the Messiah. The timing of this baby being presented to the Lord, Simeon got up that morning, and the Holy Spirit said, you need to go to the temple. You need to go to the temple. Why do I need to go to the temple? You need to go to the temple. There are times where the Holy Spirit is going to call you to do something that He won't tell you all the details. And you need to be receptive to that, to respond. And so the Scripture says that when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. Don't fret over all of your planning. God can plan better than you. God can plan you. While I was in Bible college, I worked as a truck driver. And this was before GPS systems were on your phone. So I bought these handy plastic-covered maps that unfold real quick at a glance, and you could refold them to be in the spot you needed to see. And I would take the, the erasable marker, and I would get up really early in the morning. And with the help of my wife, well, at the time, fiancé, <laughs> um, I, would, I would go to the church, and I would, I would map out all the stuff. We had sometimes 13 stops all the way up through New Hampshire, over to New York, sometimes spanning many, many miles in one day. And I would have to route where I was going. And so they wouldn't give me even the direction of which stop should be first. It was basically a list of stops. And they would tell me the order in which my truck was packed because you got huge pallets. And if you're delivering at a spot where your pallet is in the back of the truck, and you've got four or five pallets in front of that, that's very difficult. So you'd have to make sure that you find the stops in just the right order. But to add to that, I was delivering to Home Depots and to Walmarts and to various garden centers because it would include all the stuff that you'd find in a garden center from any of those kinds of stores. And, uh, and then there were places that I would go that would only accept deliveries at a certain time. So I have a schedule, and, and granted to tell you that most of the drivers did not get to, to deliver everything on their truck. And so I wake up in the morning very early, I line everything up, and there's a lot of pressure. Because accidents can happen on roads that slow you down. You don't plan for that. Situations occur where you, I would arrive at the place where I was to deliver all my stuff, 
and they would say, well, we aren't open for another hour. An another hour. Do you realize I've got a lot of stuff to deliver? And so I would wait. My plan was, uh, my planning was always limited. I could never foresee all those things. So I look, I thought to myself, you know, this is a lot of trouble. And at that point, they were, um, they were just starting to create GPS systems, uh, let alone on the phone. They were, you remember the other GPS systems that are not on your phone? Remember those? Well, this was even before those. And so I was, I was uh, thinking to myself, what would it take uh, to be able to somehow find my way quicker to these places? And a GPS that they were making at the time was like five to six hundred dollars. That wasn't happening. Not while I'm in Bible school anyways. And so I would continue with my process. And over and over again, I would find myself sometimes driving late into the night, hoping that a couple of my last stops would still be open to be able to deliver what I needed to deliver to them. My planning, as good as I tried to do it, was always limited. Every one of us in this room plan our lives out to a certain degree, don't we? You look ahead, you think, well, I'm going to go to college, I'm going to get this degree, and then I'm going to hopefully get into this position, and then maybe, and you're looking ahead, you're scanning, you're spanning your life, and you're trying to judge ahead, you're trying to say, if this happens, I'm going to redirect here. But every single one of us know that on your best day of planning, there are so many things that you don't foresee. The good news is that you and I serve a God who sees ahead. The word Jehovah Jireh is the way God revealed himself to Abraham when Isaac was placed on the altar. That word Jehovah Jireh literally translates as the God who sees ahead and provides in advance. Because in the place of Isaac, do you remember? There had to be an offering. But it was a ram that had already been caught in the bush. Sometimes God has everything you need already ready for you. He's just waiting for you to trust him. He's just waiting for you to surrender. And when you do, he'll open your eyes to everything that is needed for you. Why? Because he loves you. He really loves you. And he wants to provide everything that you need. So the Spirit of the Lord was guiding and directing Simeon. And in doing so, you see it here. It's like a supernatural GPS system. The more you get to know the voice of God, the less stressed you're going to be about wherever you are on that given day. You just tune in. God, where next? Take a left. Okay. Take a right. All right. Stop. Yes. And you follow the leading of the Lord. And you do not need to get caught up in planning your life too far ahead. 
The book of James tells us that we should not say to ourselves, well, I'm going to go here for a year, I'm going to do this business, and then I'm going to go there. Why? James says, because your life is like a vapor. Who but knows where you're going to be? That's from the Word of the Lord, and that's God's Word to you. Some of you are carrying some stress you do not need to be carrying. You're worrying about stuff that you have no control over anyways. And here's what God says to you. I will take that. I'll help you. I'll redirect you if you follow me. What God's looking for from you is, is just walk around with an open ear. God, whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do it. And the, the joy that comes with that is, is that the Lord can do supernatural things and move mountains out of your way as you put your hope in Him. One of my truck driving uh, excursions, I was traveling through Connecticut. I had a box truck, and it was um, pretty sure it was full at the time. So I come up over a hill, and as I come up over the hill, in front of me at the bottom of the hill, it's a parking lot. There was an accident, and the, the police were there to, to help or whatever, but every single, there were two lanes, and, and on, on one side, uh, there was a drop-off with a little railing. On the other side was a drop-off with a railing, and both lines of cars were completely stopped. I come over the hill, and I put on the brakes, and absolutely no response from the truck. And I'm looking down there, and I still have down the hill to go, but nothing happens. Now, this truck was, had air brakes, and I did not know that there was a leak in the tank. And so I had lost a good portion of the pressure, which would not engage the air brakes. And so immediately, all these thoughts began to flash through my mind. What am I going to do? Do I drive the truck off the ravine? Do I hit the left lane of cars? The right lane of cars, I'm scanning the cars, no big car. They were little cars. They're not like a big truck you can run into and maybe everything would be somewhat okay. Not a lot of good options. I'm halfway down the hill and I'm in the mode of what decision do I make? I'll be honest with you, I wasn't prepared for that moment, at least in my mind. You know, I hadn't forethought that to go, well, if this happens, then I'm going to do that. But I was in communion with my father. I had not planned for that event. That morning, I had written out my stops. I had no idea that my brakes would not work that day. And I was going fast. I was going 60 to 65 miles an hour. And so while I'm heading down, the only thing I knew to do was I cried out to the Lord. And I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, please stop this truck. And all the brakes on the truck locked up. And the entire truck skidded to a halt within approximately three feet of the car in front of me. My heart is beating out of my chest. I said, thank you, God. 
I did not know all of the details until after the fact. But the springs in the brake system as an emergency response engaged when the air brakes completely ran out of air. That's a built-in thing. But that built-in thing happened at just the right time. I believe the Lord had his hand in that. I really do. And I give him thanks. Because, see, the truth is, is if I lean on my own ability, I have no control over stopping a truck like that. My life is not in my own hands. It's in his. And when things like that happen, it gives me a confident assurance that no matter what happens in my life, I'm his son. I'm his son. And it gives me a peace to know that even when I can't plan out everything, I can rest in the assurance that he can redirect me when needed. And I give him praise for that. Simeon was directed by the Holy Spirit. Simeon was told to be at the temple that day. And so Mary and Joseph come to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required. And Simeon takes the child in his arms and prays the Lord. And these are the words that he said after all these years of waiting. Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nation. And he is the glory of your people, Israel. Jesus' parents, so this is Mary and Joseph, were amazed at what was being said about their child. Then Simeon blessed them. And he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall. But he will be a joy to many others. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. How would you feel walking away from that conversation? You know, that's deep stuff right there. I mean, you just thought you were bringing your baby to get dead. That's exciting stuff. Then you hear that. The angel showed up, talked to Mary. Angel spoke with Joseph. But even with angelic conversation, they didn't know all that they were in for. Sometimes we want to hear a word from God. And like Marcio said, sometimes all he gives is two words. Like, is that it? Just give me some more? Like, what happens after that? And then what about the next week? Come on, God, aren't you going to give me the whole plan? Nope. It's two words. For some of you, 
You're waiting on more, but you haven't acted on what he's told you yet. And here's my word to you from the Lord. Obey what he's already told you. He'll give you more. He'll give you more. But until you do what he's already told you, why would he tell you any more? Can you imagine you have a child? You tell him to do one chore? Dilly-dally, nothing. You wait until they deal with the first one. Then when it's done, you say, okay, this is the next thing that needs to be done, or, or this is the free time you get, or whatever. God is waiting for us to be responsive to what he's already said. And I'm here to tell you, whatever God has spoken to you, respond to it, and you'll get the next step. One final point. In verse 34, it says, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall. That doesn't sound too exciting. But it's necessary. When history is over, when this world's time frame is over, the main question is going to be, what did you do with Jesus? The reason why Jesus would cause many to stumble or to fall was because they didn't really care about God saving people. They wanted their own power and positions. God wasn't interested in that. And so they stumbled. And that's why when Jesus spoke to not all, but many of the religious leaders, he spoke to them, and it was an affront to them. It bothered them. Why did it bother them? It bothered them because it was completely out of line with where their heart was heading. But when God spoke to those who were humble and were willing to listen, for those, the next part of the verse comes into play. He will be a joy to many others. Isn't that the way it is in our world that we live in? You bring up Jesus, and all of a sudden, stuff happens. Very rarely is it like, ah. Uh, either people are excited, great joy, or like, why'd you mention that? It's happy holidays. Why? Because he's the creator of it all. And demons tremble at the mention of his name. And there's an uneasiness that comes when our heart is going in the opposite direction. It's a supernatural thing. It just manifests itself in the natural realm, but it's a supernatural issue. But when you know what Jesus did for you, you can't help but rejoice. The Bible tells us that every one of us in this room who follow Jesus are an aroma to everyone we come across. It says this, listen closely, to some we are the aroma of death. Why? Because their heart is already set on following darkness. To the others, we are an aroma of life. One way or another, you affect those around you. Don't be surprised when you live for God 
that you're going to receive some opposition. After all, if Jesus, the Son of God, received it, you're his follower, don't expect any less. The last part of that verse, but many will oppose him. Many will oppose him. What about you? What happens when people oppose you? Do you all of a sudden begin to question yourself? What did I say wrong? Let me re rephrase that. Let me make sure that no one opposes me. Now, we need to use wisdom. We need to season our words properly with grace. Absolutely. But don't allow pleasing people to be the main purpose of your life. The Bible says that if we seek to please others only, we make ourselves the servant of people instead of the servant of the Lord. So, yes, choose your words wisely, but never be afraid to be able to speak boldly the message of the gospel. After all, there's no other way. There's no other way. On this Christmas Sunday, God wants you to know that he loves you. He cares for you. For those of you who are walking with the Lord, keep your ear open to your master. He will lead you places you've never been before. And if any of you in here are kind of doing your own thing and yet you're somewhat walking with the Lord, my challenge to you is turn your attention to the one who can take care of all of the unexpected things that come your way in life. Because if you carry that burden, you're going to stress out. You're going to come de become depressed. You're going to become overwhelmed. Why? Because you can't carry it. You can't carry it. I can't carry it. There are many things, issues I have to deal with in the church life, all kinds of things, too heavy for me to carry. Just to be quite frank with you, I've said it before, I'm not smart enough to be your pastor. I need the wisdom of God. I need his help desperately. And I'm here to tell you the same thing. You're not smart enough to do it on your own. You need the Holy Spirit. You desperately do. And the moment you realize that, it's a whole new world. Big load off your shoulders. That way you don't go around touting your own plans. Well, I planned this out, and boy, that was my great idea. So thankful for the ideas that come from him. There is no plan of the Lord's that will fail. And I'm grateful that I can lean on him. I'm going to ask if all of us could just close ourselves in with the Lord. There's always a, a line that is drawn. when Christ is presented. Because on that final day, Jesus said that he's going to separate two groups, and he used the symbolism of uh, goats and sheep, and he said the goats are going to go on the left and the sheep on the right. He's going to sort it out. You may also remember some other words of Jesus when he used the parable of the good seed that was sown and the enemy came and 
through some weeds or some tares in with the good seed. And the workers of the farm said, oh, master, shall we go out and we take out those bad seeds? And the answer was no. Let them grow up together because possibly by pulling out the tares, you may damage the wheat in the process. He said, wait till it's full grown, then you'll be able to see what's really what. I want you to know God's giving you time. Don't waste that time. Seek him while he may be found. That's what God's word says. That means there's coming a time where he can't be found. The scripture tells us in the book of Revelation that there will be a day where people will be so afraid of the wrath of God that they will cry unto the mountains to fall upon them. They will seek death but cannot find it. But the day you and I are living in is a day of the grace of God. Don't miss it, please. Don't abuse it. Appreciate it. Grab a hold of it. Make good use of it. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. Neither am I. If you're in this place this morning, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you to let you know that you need to be right with God today. And if you're in this room and the Holy Spirit is nudging at your heart, I plead with you as your pastor, don't miss the opportunity. Don't miss the opportunity. The Lord is calling you to be restored to Him or perhaps for the first time to surrender your life to Christ. I want to invite you, my friends, to give everything to Him and say, Lord, I surrender my heart. I repent of my sins and I give you my life. And the Bible says that when we do, that the Holy Spirit enters us and that our names are written in the book of life in heaven. So if you're here today and you have not made Christ your Lord yet, or maybe you did one time and you have walked away from your walk with Him and you would like to be restored, I'm going to ask you to take a bold step this morning. And I'm going to ask you right where you are, if you would simply stand to your feet, I would love to pray with you. And the Spirit of God will transform your life as you ask Him. I'm going to ask you now, if that's you, if the Spirit of the Lord has been working in your heart and you want to take that step, this is simply a call from the Lord for every part of your heart. If that's you, I welcome you to stand right where you are, and I'd love to pray with you. You can start 2019 with a fresh start and a brand new life. Is there anyone? This is your opportunity. Is there anyone? I never rush past this part because it's why he came.
It's why he was born. And it's why he died. Because he loves everyone in this room. And one last call. Is there anyone who needs to take that step of surrender this morning? I sincerely hope from the bottom of my heart that everyone in this room is ready to meet Jesus. I tried so hard to get my hands on a GPS system, but it was out of my price range. And now I have it on my phone. My wife has it on her phone. And many of you do as well. And I want you to know that the guidance of the Holy Spirit is available to every single one of you in this room if you'll allow him to guide you. As we close out this time together, if you're here today and you would say, Spirit of God, I want to hear you better. I want to get a better understanding of, like Simeon, being nudged to go to the temple at just the right time. In his private prayer time, he heard a voice, not just saying general things, but before you die, you will see the Messiah. Specific stuff like that. If you would like the Spirit of God to be able to speak to you in a very clear way, and if your heart is open to allow God to guide your next steps, I'm going to stand here. I'm already standing, but if I weren't, I would. Because, my friends, I need this. I need this, so I'm going to stand first, but I'm going to invite anyone in this room who needs a recalibration of your spiritual GPS system. If you would simply stand to your feet right where you are, say, Lord, I want to hear your voice, and I want to know it's you. Samuel heard God's voice a few times before he actually got it right. He ran to Eli Eli, did you call me? No, no, didn't call you. Go back to bed. Some of us, that's where we are right now. We hear God's voice in a distance, and we're like, what'd you say? God, was that you? Maybe that was somebody else. But if you would like the Lord to fine-tune your ability to hear His voice, then this is your opportunity. I invite you to join me in standing, if that's you. And would you just simply right now where you are, open your heart to the Lord and say, God, speak because your servant is listening. Even Eli, who was a priest who really did not do many things right, he got that one thing right. He said, the next time you hear that voice, say, speak, Lord, because your servant is listening. Would you be willing to do that? Lord, I may not have discerned your voice before, I may have thought it was someone else speaking, but I'm willing to try it again. I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to take a step of faith. Holy Spirit, all across this room, 
You see every man and woman who is standing to their feet to say, Lord, teach me better how to hear your voice. God, I stand with them because if, if you don't guide me, Lord God, I won't know which way to go. My education is not enough. My experience is not enough. I lean on you this morning. And I cry out to you along with everyone standing in this room. God, would you refine our ability to discern your voice. So that when you speak, we'll be so ready and say, yes, Lord, I'm on it. I'll do it. And as we follow your lead, would you send us to the broken? To the people that no one else knows what's hurting, but your spirit knows what's hurting. And you'll send us to that person and they'll say, how did you know what was going on in my life? It's because of your spirit. Spirit of God, would you please develop that in me, develop that in my family, develop that, oh God, in this church. We open our hearts to you. We say, Lord, speak. Give us discernment to hear your voice. Give us a heart that is passionate after you so that when you do speak and we do know it's you, that we're ready to, to go do whatever you tell us to do, God. Lord, as we close out 2018, we just pray that you would give us fresh assignments, new doors that will open in this new year, that, God, we will be found prepared to go and do things that need to be done in Springfield and the Pioneer Valley area. We pray for strongholds to be broken in the name of Jesus. We pray, God, for the guiding light of your Spirit to guide us in our workplaces, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, situations where we might be stuck. We're like, I don't know what to do next. God, give us the next step, please, and give us courage to obey you in taking that next step. And I pray, Lord, every single person in this room will be blessed by your presence. And I pray that the joy and the peace of the Lord will flood every single heart. And that wherever we go, we will not be able, but to, we, that we can't help but be a blessing to others. Because your joy will be bubbling out from us. Your peace will fill us and that we will be a light to many people because we allow you to shine through us. God, I commit my brothers and my sisters to you today. I commit myself to you today. And I pray that you would do in us a special work and that you would use us for your glory. In your precious name, I ask all these things. Amen. And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, and the love of God be with each and every one of you. Amen. God bless you. Look forward to seeing you Christmas Eve. Have a wonderful Christmas. God bless you all.